We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parham. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into this Thursday edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parham, Neil McCready, Jeffrey Wright on the Campbell Clinic Hotline joining us this morning as well as he does every single Thursday. Hope everybody in uh, Lafayette County and the surrounding area is not too stir-crazy. All the cabin fever unable to get out for the most part. No couple bars are open, a couple restaurants reopening today, but you're going to do that. Be safe. Still a ton of ice on the roads. Ole Miss has uh, delayed its spring semester. We'll get into a couple things with that here on the show today until next Thursday. We're supposed to start on Monday, but instead will be Thursday when students uh, report whatever your Tuesday, Thursday classes are. Just go to that one on Thursday if you're a uh, student listening. The roads are not safe to come back up and down I-55 and throughout Mississippi. And then uh, also intercession infrastructure, grocery stores, tons of mess here going on in uh, Oxford for the reasons for that. So we'll get into that and more on the show. A show brought to you every single day by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. They got the uh, beer cave. If you can head over there, head in. Probably need a little alcohol. You're going to be stuck with uh, family members at home. It's kind of got some quarantine pandemic vibes to it a little bit here this week as uh, we head into the weekend. So uh, if you get out, beer cave, lunch specials, 569, two sides, bread, any size fountain drink, and they uh, will be open up and down, as we said, I-55 and throughout North Mississippi as well, the big superstore going in, and Macomb and more. And again, coming to you from the Clark Ford studio. We are Clark Fords in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. Call that number, ask for Corey Clark, tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. The rest is up to you. You can shop that quote around. You can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today, 662-257-1900. Jeffrey Wright, all guests join on the Campbell Clinic hotline. Campbell Clinic's in Oxford now. 2608 South Lamar Boulevard, Suite 102, just across the street. From the cottages at Hooper Hollow, the Campbell Clinic provides full-service orthopedic care, everything from sports medicine to foot and ankle surgery, to spine and total joint care, to pediatric orthopedics, physical therapy, and more. To uh, book an appointment, go to CampbellClinicOxford.com or call 901-759-3111. Walk-ins always welcome at the Campbell Clinic, Monday through Friday, 7.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. 
Two bit of Ole Miss news from uh, yesterday: A Morian Walker, the Michigan cornerback, has committed to uh, to Ole Miss. He has two years of eligibility remaining. Again, hasn't played a ton for the Wolverines. I think um, yeah, well, I don't think he has a ton of athletic ability. He's a converted wide receiver. We'll discuss him more in the uh, coming minutes and days and whatnot. But Morian Walker does commit to Ole Miss. There, they're uh, on a few other players as well. So Rebelgrove.com for all your recruiting coverage. Then last night, Ole Miss knocking off, or sorry, losing to LSU, 89-80 in Baton Rouge. At the PMAC, frankly, just did not play very well in all facets in a game that was winnable on the road. Uh, LSU shoots 48% from the field, Ole Miss 37, and then from three was Ole Miss's downfall. They go six of 24 from three, including uh, Jamin Brakefield, Alan Flanagan, and Matthew Morrell combining, uh, let's see, two for 15 from three in uh, that one. Jeffrey, did you have that on at all last night? I did. Um, I don't know how Neil felt. I felt in the first half when LSU kind of came out a little flat and Ole Miss couldn't really, I don't know if maybe like knockout punch, but like I never felt like Ole Miss built a big enough lead to take control of the game. And then when LSU took the lead going into the half, I was like, I don't, I don't feel good about that for the old Rebs. 100%. I thought the game was lost in the second 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, Ole Miss got sloppy, sloppy, sloppy with passes ill-advised passes, soft passes. They played passive basketball. They're not good enough to play passive basketball. Uh, they had really dumb turnovers that led to easy points for LSU. Uh, that's where they lost the game. And then LSU got hot in the second half. But, but no, that was a game that had, had Ole Miss played a sharp first half, they'd have been up 13 to 17 at the break, and that would have been an easy win. Instead, they they played very passive, uh, lackadaisical, uh, lazy, sloppy basketball, and and they got what happens when you do that on the road in the SEC. You lose. And um, I suspect, I, I suspect also they're going to need to figure out. I I don't think that's going to be the last time they'll see zone. It's not. It's not. Yeah. It's McMahon was was. They, it threw them off, and people are going to make them shoot from the outside. Even though some of their numbers look good, some of their guys don't shoot like shooters that are shoot that good, and people are going to make them um, shoot or, shoot over their zone or try to. And it, They got kind of balanced scoring, but they just missed a lot of shots. I'll give them credit for this. They played really hard in the second half. They they cleaned it up from a turnover standpoint. And at one point, even in the final minute, they, they took a three that had it fallen, it would have been a one-score game. But they just created such a mountain to climb in the in the first half by playing the way that they did. And it's an LSU team that's a lot like Ole Miss, and that anytime some things kind of go right for them, it's it's they they get a lot of confidence from it because they were so bad a year ago. And Ole Miss gave LSU some some reason for confidence, and and then they had a couple of guys get hot in the second half, and they built that I think sixteen point lead, and that's going to be a lot for teams like Ole Miss to overcome. Yeah, I mean they, they fought like I'm I'm like Neil, you know, I kind of looked up at two minutes and I was like, they kind of have a chance, and LSU had like a bad turnover, and you're like, eh, maybe, but I don't know. I, I felt like based on based on what I watched, I felt like the right team won. 
Yeah, they had cut it to like six with like five to go. And that was the last time I thought, well, okay, a little spurt and you know, you see what happens right there. But after that, yeah, he kept but they, they they were they were sort of going uphill from that point. Um statistically, Murray was the one exception last night. He scores twenty-three, nine of fourteen shooting, four of seven from uh three last night, and then uh two to one assist to turnovers for Murray last night. Ole Miss committing ten turnovers as a team. LSU committing 15 and then LSU out rebounding the Rebels 42-35 last night on the uh on the glass. Ole Miss now uh by far the uh one of the toughest road dates um of the season. They've got three Tennessee, Auburn, and Kentucky. Auburn is on Saturday, Neville Arena. Uh, just a I mean a, a game that is not, not one that Ole Miss is likely to win in any way. Putting a big uh, impetus on next Wednesday or next Tuesday, whichever night it is for Arkansas back home. If you're if you're talking into the Blay tournament, Neil, that becomes pretty much a must win next week. Yeah, I think home games are going to be must wins. I mean, look, the league's the league's pretty solid. It's not great. It's pretty solid. The teams at the top are really good. Auburn's really good. Um, you have to come out and play really well Saturday to avoid getting embarrassed. Because Auburn's capable of, of embarrassing just about everybody in the league. And then I don't know who Arkansas has Saturday, but you know, Arkansas got a win on Tuesday night against a good Texas A&M team. Carolina one, at home. Yeah, they're one and three. Um, That's kind of a swing game for both those teams. Yeah. My guess is that Arkansas will beat South Carolina at home. Um, They're, they're – they're not good, but they have some talent and they have some guys who can take games over. And that's going to be the challenge for Ole Miss when they get Arkansas in, in at home in their own building is you you have to play well. You can't just go, okay, we're home, we're going to get a W. No, you, you got to play really well. You got to play intense. You got to you, you have to make them get disheveled on offense, but they do a lot. But you can't let them get going. And like they got going against AM a little bit. They had uh was it Minifield, the kid from uh no, no, it was uh I the Mark kid at 35. Yeah, he he went for 35. They they got some things out of Trayvon Brazil. Uh, you know, they've got guys who can make plays. Devontae Davis is on that team. They they they've got yeah, it's a huge game. It's it's you can't go two and four out of the gate and feel good about it. But if you get to three and three, you're probably okay. So yeah, it's, it's a huge game against, against Arkansas. And, um, look, Ole Miss is okay. They, they could have won last night, but they just, they, they, they don't have, this is that part that coaches talk about. And we kind of scoff at it. Teams that lost a lot for years, teaching those teams how to win is really hard and it doesn't that doesn't make sense but it, it's a real thing and i and you know i mean Ole Miss wins a couple of games and they didn't kind of have that that killer in them last night against lsu and lsu like jeffrey said kind of came out not necessarily flat but just they, they weren't super intense that's it's not like that's an incredibly difficult place to play it and and you know you can you can go in there. T teams do it all the time, but they let LSU. They didn't they didn't punish LSU for not coming out of the gate roaring. And against Arkansas, Ole Miss is going to have to come out of the gate ready to go because if Arkansas beats South Carolina on Saturday, which is what I suspect, they're going to look at that Ole Miss game as, hey guys, we got a chance to negate that bad start. 
we can get to three and three, look up and go, hey, we're okay. And he can look at his teams because it's happened the last two years and say we've started slow in league play before and got going and made the tournament. And so that's what he's going to be telling his guys. And so, yeah, it's – I mean, I know there's a whole whole game to be played first against Auburn, but that Arkansas game suddenly looks bigger than – it looks it looks huge on the schedule. Last night, uh, elsewhere in the SEC, Kentucky 90-77 to over Mississippi State. The Cats now 3-1 in the SEC, 13-3 overall. They're up 47-29 at the break. State cut it to 4-5 or five really quick, had like a 16-2 run out of halftime, but then Kentucky does pull away and win by 13, and then Auburn uh, just kind of methodically dispatched to Vanderbilt in Nashville last night, 80-65. to The Tigers 15-2 overall, 4-0 in the uh, SEC. Vanderbilt 5-12, now 0-4 after uh, losing to Ole Miss and Auburn the last two times out. And then, yeah, you met, Neil, you mentioned uh, Saturday, just quickly before I move on to some other stuff, Ole Miss and Auburn's at 7.30. That's on SEC Network. Uh, South Carolina-Arkansas game we just mentioned is noon on SEC Network. You got Alabama at Tennessee on Saturday. That's ESPN2 at 1 o'clock. It's a good one there. Uh, Vanderbilt-Mississippi State, that is in Starkville. Texas A&M at LSU, a winnable game for LSU to try to get to 4-1 and one in the uh, SEC here after last night's win. Georgia at Kentucky at Rupp at 5 o'clock SEC Network, and then Florida at Missouri at 7 on ESPNU. Anything stick out there outside of uh, Alabama and Tennessee, Jeffrey? Um, Tennessee's playing with more pace. Um, like, I don't know if that's like a tacit admission from Rick Barnes that, hey, my way of doing it doesn't work anymore. Or I don't know if it's, you know, he's got Dalton Connect who – that that was how how like we still have diamonds in a rough in this day and age is still amazing yeah. to me the guy that got started before northern colorado he started at a junior college like it's it's unbelievable isn't it he's a beast he's a I mean, stud there's nothing he can't do on the court no i mean he is he's an absolute stud um i think i've decided i'm out on nate oats i think he's a very good coach um uh, he's not Ooh. for me Ooh. the and like I like the whole shoving of the player like of all the shoving of the players that was like one of the least egregious ones like he was like right in front of him and he's kind of like moving him. I've just decided like uh, he's he's not for me. I'll give y'all a hot take on something from last night. It's not SEC related yet. All right. But the SEC is going to break Texas. Texas in what way? Not Oklahoma. Last night, Texas lost at home to UCF. And UCF had several, by the way, don't let UCF get hot. <laughs> UCF had several dudes do the horns down thing. That's gonna happen, boys. And Rodney Terry, the, the coach at Texas, in the handshake line is seen say, saying to all of them. That's classless. Don't be classless. And he's talking to their players and getting in their players' faces a little bit. If they're going to be this sensitive, the fact that they're Texas, they're going to get circled by everybody in the league. Everybody in the league is going to want a piece of Texas. And the whole if that's all it takes is the horns down thing to get them all worked up, they're going to get worked up pretty quick in the SEC. 
this has so, been going on for years now. What 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 was the impetus or the lead for this to be such a big emotional deal for them? Why does this bother them that badly? Because it's so stupid. I don't know, but it does. I mean, it drives it them does, clearly in every sport. Clearly, I mean, yeah, but I would also argue, you know, when you do the Gator Chomp to Florida, that drives them insane. Remember, we had a period where you like you could get penalized for Gator Chomping, but they couldn't. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I'm, I'm I'm trying to think of like anything else in the league where people do it to you and and they. I mean, everybody in the league's weird. Everybody has their own weird, you know. It, I, I know it's it, not SEC, but do do people playing Florida State taunt them with the chop? Yeah, but Florida State actually, for being like online and being like one of the more more insufferable online fan bases, like in yeah. person, they kind of. Like they kind of take, take it. it a little bit. Like they, they they play the game a little better. Okay. It seems to be like a high and mighty thing. And I think for Texas, it's they've run their league for so long. And it's always been they get whatever they want. But that's gonna be an, a big adjustment for them where they're gonna have their first big whatever power play they try to do in the league, and then they're not gonna get their way. And it's gonna be a fascinating going to be a fascinating angle because I don't I think we've talked about it on the show I know Neil and I've definitely talked about it for all of the distasteful things about the University of Alabama and their fan base one thing I've always respected and admired about them is yeah more times than not things work out for them but when it comes to how they run you know how they view the league like they Ole Miss matters in a room just as much as they do when it comes to decision making like Nick Saban didn't always get his way. You know, if you yeah. think about it, hurry up, whatnot. And, and, you know, Alabama could do this whole thing that like Florida States and Clemson's doing where, hey, we're the ones that make all the money. We get more money. Alabama does the whole, everybody gets an equal share. You're, you're a member here just like we are. You know, jumping around a little, but this struck me yesterday. Nick Saban announced his retirement. When, I, I've been on so many painkillers this week that the days just run together. It was like, what, Tuesday? Mm, sounds right. I think I it was. I think it was Wednesday. No, maybe you're right. It was Tuesday. I don't know. Well, it doesn't matter. But but we're taping this on Thursday morning. Alabama, in very short order. I guess he. I guess it was a week ago. He. he, he yeah, it was the end DeBoer, of last week. So DeBoer, yes, yeah, so it's been a week. In I think DeBoer. I think it was obvious on Friday that DeBoer was going to be the guy. Okay, it, yeah. So that's a Friday. Let's say it's been a week. In okay. It's, been, it's week, been eight days since Nick Saban announced. Eight days. In, okay, eight days. So in one week, basically, Alabama has gone from the absolute pinnacle of the SEC to they're just another program. In one week. Well, and the I, guy that reports Saban is it was played for the national championship. They are they are losing guys left and right. In the in the portal, they're going to bring some people in. They're going to get some of the Washington guys. They're going to follow the board to Tuscaloosa. That's obvious. But what you're finding out about Alabama, and I think this is a credit to Nick Saban. It really is. What you're finding out about Alabama in short order is that they were able to win a lot of recruiting battles over the last 24 months because guys 
still had Saban had an aura on the recruiting trail. Guys wanted to play for Nick Saban. They viewed him as this legend that he is. They viewed him as this guy that truly understood a path to not only getting to the NFL, but getting to the NFL as an early draft pick, as a guy that understood that Alabama had a reputation for when their guys got to the NFL, they were ready for the NFL. And that caused guys to take less from the pay-for-play, NIL, whatever. But now that Saban's gone, that's out the window. Their guys are bolting. They're gonna, they're gonna be a normal program sooner rather than later. And I mean that in a in the sense of they were they were a program that guys would go play there for less because of what it meant down the road. That's out the window already in less than a week. I have definitely found it. I have been, I have found it very humorous and have enjoyed now that you get you get all these Alabama commentators that are talking about the state of college football. It's like, yeah, yeah y'all, we, <laughs> we've been here, you know, we, you know, it is funny when you're no longer, when you're no longer on top of it, like we've all, we've all been here. They're like, this shit has to be fixed right yeah. now. And you're like, whoa, That's hold up, bro. Game. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's, basically been the same for the last three years four years y'all i mean it's a credit to saban though it really is because what it shows you is that guys like caleb downs and people like that went to alabama to play for nick saban they took less alabama is further behind in the whole nil pay for play structure than we thought they were so the question though that i actually have is i do think it's undeniable that it's one of two things there's either a saban discount or Saban was able to motivate everybody to, because I got to imagine Kalen aboard was, was the pick, but I got to imagine it wasn't a unanimous selection. Would you amongst their money people, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't think he was the first, I, I don't think he was the first pick. In fact, I'm 99% sure he wasn't the first pick. And, and okay, but here was my question. You could talk me into to, him being the third pick, but was he Saban's first pick? Yeah, I don't know. It's a great question. Because I do think it's obvious. Like one thing that one thing that I was a little upset that we got deprived of because I just miss a good old fashioned old school Alabama coaching search because the Alabama coaching searches would just get absolutely bananas because you had so many money people, so many boosters that were pulling in so many different directions. You would just get just delicious rumors information like they just became a circus and they were the all-time greats this one was kind of handled pretty quietly like you know I-, I did take notice dan lanning never said he turned it down dan lanning said he was staying yeah and if you start like there is a path where if you start connecting dots that saban decided a while because we all agree saban picked a successor correct I think so. Okay. So I started looking at it this way. Quietly, DeBoer hires Jimmy. I think it was like in October, November. And when Neil makes the point about Glenn Gilbo's column, I mean, what Ole Miss played Alabama, that was September, right? It was late September. 23rd. So 
you start connecting some dots. And we know that Saban went and tried to hire Ryan Grubb. Saban got on a plane to go get Ryan Grubb, the offensive coordinator at Washington, and and did not come back with him. And we saw why Ryan Grubb was like, yeah, no, I'm going to, I've got a pretty good quarterback. I got three really good receivers. I'm I'm going to stick this out, and that was a smart move for him. But you know, I, I, I actually can buy. I'm not saying that like you put gun to my head. Do I think this is this was the plan all along? I wouldn't feel good about it if you if I said pull the trigger. I say yes, but I do think that it's entirely possible that like this was what Saban wanted. I'll tell you what I'm interested to see with Alabama okay. is this. Look, it's a very good staff. Kalen DeBoer is very, very good. Look at his record. His, his record speaks for itself. If we're, if we're, if we're going to judge things by scoreboard business, he's his scoreboard records pretty damn good. Um, He's got a good staff. Grubbs came with him. Uh, Kane came with uh, left South Alabama to join him. They've got a, they're going to be good. Don't get me wrong. But I do wonder if that Alabama booster culture is going to try to re find its traction again. Because yeah. with Saban, with Saban, they you had to respect Saban. You had no choice. A, if you didn't respect him, he was going to force the respect down your throat. But well, and B, they were desperate to, to get him. Yeah, you had to respect Saban. I mean, look at and he's the best, period. But now that he's out. I don't know that DeBoer carries that level of of uh, of respect and, and fear and intimidation and all that stuff that Saban does. So I I wonder if some boosters who've had to kind of be, you know, kind of in in the background, in the background, yeah, they try to come to the forefront a little bit now and exert their will and get their way and it, it you know. It's, it's that's I'm interested to see. I'm not saying it will happen. Maybe it won't. Maybe they've seen. Hey, this is this shit worked. We love winning. This guy can win. We're going to keep winning. Let's just leave it the way it is. Maybe so. But, but here, I, here's the deal with that, though is is that if there is that chasm at all, and there's a crack in that, it's only going to get worse because what we talked about because the Nick Saban era that he ran up all those championships is over. Alabama was already a step back from that, even with Saban at the helm. Yeah, they're not the same type of dominance for a lot of reasons. NIL, Georgia, all that stuff. So DeBoer's getting graded on a curve that was established from 2007 to 2018, or whatever year you want to put on it. And then now he also gets to follow Saban and potentially have booster and fan conflict and all this stuff. It's just it is a completely unenviable situation where if you told me Bama went nine and three, I go, yeah, I completely buy it. And everybody's losing their damn minds at that point, like it is the ultimate failure. It's a great time to get started on your resolutions with Factor. So you're ready for the new year, they're ready to eat meal delivery, takes the stress out of meal planning, sets you up for success in this new year. Skip the grocery stores, the prep work, the cooking fatigue. Make it easy. Get chef-crafted, dietitian-approved meals delivered right to your door. 35 meals to choose from for, per week. Keto, calorie smart, vegan plus, veggie, whatever you're looking for. 55 weekly add-ons, ton of nutritious and flavorable options to kickstart your resolutions. They now offer loads of snack options like breakfast, smoothies, juices, snacks, and more to keep going no matter what's on the schedule. You can skip the overpriced takeout trap. It's cheaper than takeout. You can get those chef-crafted restaurant-quality meals delivered right to your door. 
with Factor. They've got the uh, special education, special occasions. They'll take care of you with Gourmet Plus. It's the solution if you're looking for fast upscale options. Also, no matter what it is, they've got the answer. They have everything. A week of flavorful, nutritious eats, ready-to-eat meals, cold-pressed juices, smoothie, energy bites, energy protein, veggie sides, and more. To keep you energized during these frantic times, head to factormeals.com slash mpw50. Use the code mpw50. Get 50% off. That's mpw50 at factormeals.com. Podcast brought to you in part by GNM Pharmacy and Tyson Drugs there in Holly Springs. GNM in Oxford, Tyson Drugs in Holly Springs. They've got their uh, high dose flu shots for patients over 65 years old. Or uh, anyone that needs that level of protection. Flu obviously going around big time right now. So you can uh, you can get that. You can also get the RSV vaccine they have in uh, stock as well at both locations. Holly Springs and Oxford. And they make it easy. They let you schedule your appointments for your vaccines. Come in. Get them. Be on your way. That's 662 to schedule. 662-236-2222 for GNM and Oxford. Or 662-252-2321 for Tyson Drugs in Holly Springs. Podcast also brought to you by the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation. You've got uh, 2024 football season tickets available now. That's for new and renew tickets. Take advantage of that. Go ahead and get on with it. The excitement is only going to increase prior to the 2024 season. Also, men's and women's basketball. They start conference play this week. You've got SEC mini plans and single game tickets still available. That is for uh, men's basketball, women's basketball. And then uh, we tell you about multiple campaigns going on right now. The Champions Now campaign. That's the big capital campaign from the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation. You've got Forever Ole Miss if you're looking into state state planning, Vault Society, Empower, a lot of different ways to uh, do philanthropic giving there with the foundation. Also, a reminder, the women's and women's tennis teams have upcoming matches at home later this month. Tickets not required for that. And then, obviously, Morgan Wallen tickets still available. All those things, OleMissTicks.com. I've been telling you that Prime Shrimp is giving away free shrimp for the entire year to one lucky rebel. Here's how to enter. You go to primeshrimp.com slash mpw. You place any order, any order at all. Use promo code JUICE. Take 20% off your order and be entered to win. You can place additional entries by posting your shrimp on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with hashtag primeshrimp. Hashtag mpw. Winners will be chosen on January 31st. So get that orders in. And then also the podcast brought to you by NE Spark. NE Spark is a service people across rural communities. Two packages, the Ignite, the 100 Mbps, or the Blaze. The one gig, it powers the Clark Ford Studio. I've got it at home as well. Your hometown team bringing you world-class broadband. That's anyspark.com, 662-238-3159. Phone service, parental controls, network security, and much more. So, again, get the best internet in Lafayette County. That's 662-238-3159. Yeah, I think the one thing that I'm curious about, because we won't really know the answer to this until we start to see it, is are you going to get credit for playoff wins? So, you know, like, a, a oh. because, like, if you think about it like this, I think DeBoer, the, the comp that I had is he's less fun lane, where I think both of them, like, are very good offensive minds. Like, they're good scheme guys. They're, they're good play callers. Like, I, I think they're very good offensive minds. But DeBoer's a little more serious and not as fun. Um, so what we've seen is like Alabama, even with Alabama taking a step back or and maybe a couple of step backs, they're still going to be able to compete in a world at the same level like Ole Miss does. So if they go 10 and two 
and win a couple playoff games, does that buy DeBoer some time to kind of get it going, or does that immediately lead to handering? And I'm sure the answer, like most answers is, well, tell me who the two losses are, which is obviously always fair. I think the thing that I'm more fascinated by is, does Alabama having to live in a world where they're not the top kingpin, does that expedite the player revenue sharing and whatnot? Is that, does that, does that get the, you know, does that get the system more regulated so that Bama can get back on top? Georgia's about to drive them certifiably insane. Is what's about yeah, to that's, the, that's the thing. So if you, if you rank SEC, SEC schools one to 16 by potential power, if you will, I mean, you got to put Texas ahead of Alabama. Well, if we're doing fight. potential, but that's that's kind of the problem. It's like, what do you do with a school like AM that clearly has all the potential in the world, but at the same time, it's like they've always had that. And yeah. they they fight the same thing every time. But and I guess my point they're was, now funding the Qataris. Yeah, my point was with Alabama, the, the highest they're ever going to be is third. Yes. You know, I mean, Georgia and Texas are are, are ahead of them. And maybe even beyond potential power, maybe just real power. Georgia and Texas may just be simply ahead of them. I mean, Georgia's Georgia's quickly built it. Look, if they get Caleb Downs, Georgia goes in the next season as the prohibitive favorite. I think they're already the prohibitive favorite next year. Yeah, in, a, in an era where people are like, well, there probably won't be a prohibitive favorite because of the playoff. No, they're the prohibitive favorite. Like, I don't I don't know how anybody on paper looks at that at, at Georgia and goes, Oh, that's 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 a game we can win. Speaking of, and I, I don't, and I don't even know what to make of the budgets and athletic departments anymore, and what that is relevant to winning, and how you how you put a factor on that. But schools are starting to release their fiscal data and their their revenue numbers and whatnot. Texas, I had this second ago, they recorded two hundred and seventy one million in revenue during fiscal year twenty three. That's an increase of 32 year over year. Largest single year total since they began doing reporting in 2005. Good how much of that? God. How much of that's an increase in football? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure a ton. Uh, let's and see. They, they opened their new arena, correct? So I'm sure I, I've been to that arena. Like that is a, the only difference between an NBA arena and that's about, I don't know, 3,000 seats maybe. I think it holds they received- like. 4, Eighty-six million in contributions. That's an eleven million uptick over last year. Sixty-three million in ticket sales, five more than last year, and then fifty-four million in sponsorships, licensing, royalties, and advertising, which is a ten-year-over-year bump. Um, so LSU like, and Penn State and Tennessee also went over two hundred million for the first time this year. So my gut on Texas says the new arena, because that thing is all like. I was I was blown away at how much uh, luxury uh, seating they had. Like, you know, even if you were like sitting in like the the lower level, just in a seat, like you had access to, you know, they had like fifteen different clubs. Like you, there was a middle club, like a that doesn't even include like the suites and whatnot. So I'm sure that's a huge deal. Obviously, them winning in football this year probably sold even more tickets. Um. 
you know, I mean, it, it seems like it seems like one of the big deals is, you know, I think these I think these ADs and whatnot, they realize I got to start getting more corporate money. So they're kind of selling the big stuff like that. Yeah, that yeah. to me makes sense. Like the schools that you're mentioning, that makes sense that those are the ones that are like selling the big corporate stuff. Speaking of real quick on the other end of that spectrum, a team that's going to uh, the ACC, a team that's going to the Big Ten. Reading here, UCA and Cal, UCLA and Cal, had a combined deficit of more than eighty million in their fiscal year reports this year. Uh, the Bruins had uh, revenues of one hundred five and expenses of one hundred forty two for a thirty six million dollar deficit. That's an increase from last year. Cal reported an eight million dollar deficit. But that $8 million deficit still included $36 million in direct school funding from campus that was not athletic department earmarked. So they lost $8 million even after getting $36 million from a broke school to try to figure it out. I mean, it, it is just it, – it is the haves and have-nots in every I way. Believe, it's amazing. So I, I UCLA, it's very simple. Like, Chip Kelly's been a solid football coach, but, like, he doesn't – like, they don't sell tickets. Yeah, they bring the revenue in. Correct. With Cal, I think it's all still tied back to they they did that big renovation. And, you know, that's the other thing. It's like, hey, you've, you the way they handled COVID, like there are sports fans out there. And it just it made so many people like I've got a lot of Pac-12 friends in the old group chat. And a lot of them are just kind of done with college sports. And so I don't think there's a great motivate. I don't think there's a great motivation for them to want to go, you know. Chase and I had this conversation yesterday. We've had it a hundred times. I always try to take a step back and go, all right, try to view this from a fan perspective. And when I do, when I view college sports from a fan perspective, if I'm being honest, they're not very appealing. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. No, the question is, is there, 
right now it's not appealing because there's so little structure and it's just yeah. become absolute free for all. The question that I have is, and I don't know, like the, the biggest question is, is there a path to actually getting the thing under control? I don't know, because that seems to me there's going to have to be some leadership like set up that I don't know how that develops. And there has then, to be some sort of incentive that, that is created to get players to stay in a school multiple years. Right, but I'm actually even thinking about it big picture. Who who even creates that incentive? Because right now, the problem that I see is there's just, there's not a leadership structure and there isn't, I don't see a clear path to a leadership structure because they still, whether or not it's half-hearted, whether or not it's sincere, they still keep doing the the Congress thing. We know that's not that's not a nope. path. Not so, you know, what happens? Like when everyone keeps doing the well, eventually the the Big Ten and the SEC are going to kind of merge, and it's like, well, when the AFL and the NFL merged, the NFL leadership structure still took over. They absorbed it. Like you telling me, Greg Sankey, or I mean, I, I guess Sankey could try to absorb it, but the Big Ten. Right now is the more valuable property. Mm -hmm. So are they just like even though that commissioner's kind of weak, like is he still going to be weak in two years? Yeah, and I hear people talk about like make Nick Saban the commissioner of college football. I'm like, okay, but what, what power would he have? Even if you play that out, you make Nick Saban the commissioner of college football, give him the title commissioner. Okay, what power does he have? Yeah, because everything's not collectively bargained. Well, that's he's, the other thing. It's like well, change anything. He's, he's the just, he's the czar. Well, I keep waiting for this, and I do think I do think we've got maybe the perfect school. I do keep waiting for one school to get NCAA penalties, and the school go, nah. We're we're we're, we're okay. We're gonna keep doing our thing. Florida State, if there is going to be a school that just ignores NCAA penalties and, and keeps carrying on, carrying on, Florida State does feel like that school. But like the 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 reason why I make I mentioned that is okay, like let's say Nick Saban comes up with some policy. What is beholding everybody to agreeing to what Nick Saban sets out or what the commish sets out? That's going to be what we abide by. Nothing. That's my point. Yeah. I mean, you you have no structure to even put that in place. So well, I mean, it doesn't what would have happened. What would have happened in November if Jim Harbaugh had just shown up on the sideline to coach? I'm a little woke on that whole situation. Meaning I think I think if you've noticed Michigan's tenor changed when remember they were they were very they were fighting, 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 and then there was like one new piece of evidence that came out. And then all of a sudden they went back to the negotiating table. So I think that there was some optics of make it seem like we're fighting so that our fans are happy. But I think, I think they knew like their compromises. All right, we're going to sit, we're going to sit Harbaugh, but he's going to be able to coach the big 10 championship game. And he's going to get to coach the postseason. Like, I, I think there, I actually think that was a negotiated. Settlement. A little horse trading a little bit there. Yeah. And I think, I think it was, uh, you know, like there were some optics from a Michigan. Like they they came out, you know, breathing fire. And one thing Harbaugh is very comfortable doing, like he does love being a martyr. 
He handles it. Yeah. I'm still not convinced he's leaving. Hadn't left yet. Well, and my whole thing is everyone keeps talking about these jobs. Are people aware that Dean Spanos is like notoriously one of the cheapest owners? So you're telling me Harbaugh just is going to give up, I don't know, $9 million a year just to go coach the Chargers in the division with Patrick Mahomes? I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, maybe. Like, I'm not ruling. I mean, it we're out. all saying it's the Chargers. I guess it could be somebody else. But I mean, he that's did the interview whole... with the Falcons too. It does seem like the Falcons are going to do the the Falcons are going to do the the Belichick thing. It does. It feels like he just can't help himself to go get the guy and hope that it translates in some weird way. He's also traumatized I mean, by the twenty eight to three thing. It also seems like maybe Belichick's wait, like trying to put hold the Eagles' foot to the fire, but I'm not convinced that Roseman wants to hire a Belichick type. No, that doesn't make sense to me. That goes against- Dallas off the board. McCarthy staying for a season next year. That is 100 all or nothing. He's going to coach in the last year of his contract. I would have actually loved that because in this era of that we're in, one thing that I do like is all of these all of these mentors and protégés that kind of had fractured relationships, they're just repeating the same cycle. You know, Rogers going to the Jets like Favre did. It would have been awesome to have Belichick go and just do what Parcells did. Like, just go coach for Jerry. Like, I would have <laughs> loved that. I, I, I cannot be convinced that Bill Belichick is going to win at any level moving forward. I just, I'm out. Maybe I eat crow, but I just don't see it. I think it's over. Well, that was kind of the other thing. It's like, then well, what if Belichick went down to Tampa? But it's now it's like, it seems like Bowles is going to keep his job. Like, oh, know. yeah, he's fine now. We want a playoff game. They've convinced themselves they can win in Detroit on Sunday. I think Belichick is still a good enough coach that if a roster is in place, he can coach him up. But I Atlanta's not... roster is not in place. I think Atlanta's roster is decent except for the position that matters the most right and that's the problem what is their solution i mean had you told me going to dallas i'd go okay well at least let's look at this and see what's what and play it out that was kind of Atlanta's just not good enough that was kind of the other thing i don't know i don't know how y'all were how y'all how y'all took in super wild card weekend but despite the fact that we didn't have great games you know what I really, really loved about Super Wild Card Weekend? It is nice that when you get in the NFL, when you get these seasons of just too much discussion and too much conversation around it, the thing that I love about the playoffs, it's who won. And it was great that we just had some stereotypes that really, really rang true. The Dolphins, they looked cold. They didn't want to be there. The South Florida team didn't want to go play in the cold weather. They looked miserable. The Chiefs, yeah, despite kind of a disappointing year and their offense maybe isn't humming, it was still kind of like a reminder. Patrick Mahomes, who I didn't even think like played extremely well. I think he played fine. He just played like Patrick Mahomes. You reminded like, oh, yeah, that guy's awesome. Dak in a playoff game, a big game, just choke city. Like it was just... It was nice to like go down the line. The Browns, Flacco. Oh man, he's playing pretty well. Get into the second quarter. 
back-breaking interceptions. Like, that's the Joe Flacco that I know. It was just nice to, like, get back to, like, our warm blankets of playoff football. The results are what matters. And the stereotypes that we've had for years and years and years, it's like, they still hold true. Of the three games this weekend that have touchdown or higher lines, uh, how do you rate the chances of upsets? Houston in Baltimore, Green Bay in San Francisco, or Tampa Bay on the road at Detroit? I think it's Tampa Bay and Detroit, right? That's also the smallest line. That one is sitting right at seven as of this morning. I think it's Tampa Bay and Detroit simply because Tampa Bay, I don't know. I kind of thought about this. It's like I had some buddies that were texting me like, man, the NFC is kind of wild. And I was texting back. It's only wild to me if San Francisco doesn't win. That's Mm -hmm. when I start to go. This is nuts because at a certain level, it's a bunch of kind of mediocre to mediocre plus teams kind of trading places. But if San Francisco doesn't win, then yeah, okay, all of a sudden we are talking about this thing's nuts. The Texans, to me, feel like the team, like, I don't know, like I, I get Andrew Luck vibes. Like, Andrew Luck, like, they they win a big playoff game. Like, they were, they were impressive and whatnot, but it's like, man, the Ravens are really freaking good. And I just, it feels like, it feels like they've accomplished what they were setting out to accomplish. They were supposed to suck this year and they win a playoff game and in dominant fashion. And Stroud, you have to, like, there's no way, even if Stroud doesn't have a good game on Sunday, there's no way you go into next season feeling anything, if you're a Texans fan, anything other super pumped about Stroud and, and where you're going. So I just would be surprised that the Ravens end up getting upset. And then, I guess with the Packers and the Niners, the question for me is, were the Niners, are the Niners the Packers boogeyman or were they Aaron Rodgers boogeyman? I still think the problem is the Packers aren't great against the run, and that's not really a great matchup if you're not good at stopping them. Yeah. No, Houston's going to, like, if you're a Houston fan, you're popping your popcorn. Even in a very worst-case scenario, you're going, hey, he's he's getting that experience. You're doing that hey, on, on, on Saturday and going, hey, he's in Baltimore at the one seed. Let's say baptism by fire, baby. I, yeah. I, I love this. So there's no downside. And like you've already like you, you and whether or not it's fair, like it is, this is like the amazing part of like how just how like short, you know, how much how short our attention spans are. It's like they've already like apparently like demolished the Jacks, like Trevor Lawrence, like they're yesterday's news. <laughs> It's all about the Texans and Stroud, baby. It's all the Stroud boys. <laughs> and then our uh, our finale for the weekend, 5.30 Central time start on Sunday. Uh, you like the Chiefs or you like the Bills? It is Buffalo minus two and a half right now. I obviously would like to see an injury report for the Bills. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. Like I, there's, I'm of two minds. It's like, one, why would they give me Mahomes with a plus sign? It's his first road playoff game. And when everyone wants to do the the Brady, the Brady Manning thing, here is where it holds up. Peyton in the playoffs was 0-2 against Brady and Belichick. The third time he got him at home. He won, and that's his Super Bowl year. And this is the first time Mahomes has had to go on the road. And to me, it's not even just Mahomes having to go on the road. It's been a clunky offense all year. 
and now all of a sudden the noise and whatnot, like how's their communication going to be? I don't know. I, I just kind of, I've kind of liked how the bills have it. The fact that they've had their backs against the wall for like the last seven, eight weeks, like even last, even again, even against the Steelers, when the Steelers kind of weirdly, like you kind of did the, have they made this a game? Have they not? Like it was, they cut it to one score and then the bills just go right down and score. Like, you're going to have to stop Josh Allen for four quarters and at home. I don't know. I just kind of like the bills. I do too. I like the bills in this game. I, I, I think the only reason the lines, what it is, is because of the, the R of it is around Patrick Mahomes and he deserves it. Don't get me wrong, but they've not played well for a while now. And, and I don't Buffalo, think Kelsey looks right either. Still. He doesn't. And Buffalo looks pretty good here lately. Uh, that's that's where I'm as of Thursday. That's where I am. See, uh, some performers for the Super Bowl were uh, announced. Obviously, Usher is doing the halftime show. That's been known. Reba McIntyre with the national anthem and Post Malone with America the Beautiful on uh, Super Bowl Sunday. So get your early bets in lines if you have interest there. And then they're doing um, they're still doing the others the the the. I can't think of the name of the song. They're doing the song that's going to get everybody all worked up politically. And Black stuff. National Anthem. Yeah. Uh, Lift Every Voice and Sing yeah. is the uh, name of that song. Andrew Listen, Day I, is... It's, it's an election year. Still time to put Goodell on the ballot. No man has done what he has done for race relations. Man ended racism. Just painted some end zones. Said end racism. Problem solved. Man solved concussions. The man clearly still has solved concussions. Like we watched Matthew Stafford in a normal year. That guy gets blacked out like he, but he's right back in there. Yeah. Mahomes, his helmet explodes. Boom. Right back in there. Name a man that has done more for the entire good than Roger Goodell. He's paid like it at least. How long do we have Raj? Two or three more years. This is his last deal. I can't remember. I think yeah. it was like a four-year extension, but like, like, I don't think his deal was technically up. Like he he went football. He went college football coach. He's like, I can't recruit. He's like, I can't. You can't expect me to go get new TV deals with it with with a deal that's expiring in two years. You've got to you got to extend me. I uh, last thing for for before you go, Jeffrey. I got a busy day today. I was reading in The Athletic this morning that Embiid probably not going to be eligible for the postseason awards because of missing too many games. He's already at 10, can't miss more than 17. Does uh, does your boy, Neil, have a uh, chance at swiping the MVP from Jokic? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think the only way that, that SGA would win the MVP is if the Thunder won 57 58 games and they're not going to get there they're not ready to go there yet um he's going to get all nba and he deserves that but no i I think Jokic is going to win the mvp and Jokic should win the mvp we're not we're not because we're living in the moment and because he doesn't he doesn't play in one of the major market you know, play for the Lakers or whatever. I, I don't know that people are fully appreciating how dominant the Nikola Jokic era has been. I think it's also style of play. Like he is, if you go and you watch him in person, you're just like, Oh my God, this guy yeah. is like, it's honestly like 
there is a, a LeBron element for me. Like LeBron, what LeBron was amazing at is he could get you with the wow stuff. But more times than not, when you'd go and you'd watch LeBron play live and in person, the stuff that would impress you was not like the dunks or the sheer raw power. It was like how well he sees the floor, his feel for the game. That's the same thing with Jokic. It's not just like he doesn't have like the pure raw, just like, oh, my God, type athleticism. But when you're there and in person, you're just like he is just in complete control. Yeah, he's one of those guys, and you know this because you watch a lot of it too. If you watch Denver night in and night out and you watch their games, not just highlights, you watch their games, you realize just how impactful he is on both ends of the floor in transition. He's almost legitimately legitimately their point guard. He's almost run-proof. You can't go on a run against Denver with him on the floor. No, that's true. Um, the only the you, only runs that happen when he's on the floor his his direction. You typically know a good bit about this is happening. I'm seeing this Jeffrey where was it Diamond Sports basically Bally has been bought by yeah. Amazon. Blackouts are still going to apply, I'm sure. But are we going to have the ability to use Prime to watch all the regional sports across the country? So I read two different stories yesterday. I get the sense that Prime is going to be. So Prime didn't buy Bally Sports. They became a minority investor. Prime yeah. is going to be Prime is going to be the streaming home of Diamond of Diamond Sports. What was unclear was is this like a situation where if you have ESPN Plus you can watch every hockey game except for the blackout games which are like your local markets and then you pay a, a small fee or whatever an additional fee to watch that. That was unclear. It does seem like if Diamond and Bally, whatever, Diamond slash Bally's, if they want to still continue to sell to linear TV providers, they're going to be able to do that. It seems like Prime is going to be the streaming home. So, hallelujah, anyone that's ever had to deal with the Bally Sports app, which is arguably one of the worst apps in uh, in the history of television streaming, we are done with that. Potentially a huge uh, deal for baseball, depending on how it comes through. Well, that's the other thing. So they had the deal in place for all 11 baseball teams. And then Manfred stepped in and was like, no, I'm trying to sell that myself. Like, I, and he vetoed it. He's awesome. I mean, He's just, just he is just the best. I'm just glad he gets to go down to Seminole and play golf. He makes the NHL commissioner look like the most competent human on earth. I think there's Gary a Bettman. made like Bettman isn't maybe as bad as the perception he has just the worst gig. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true. You are the NHL commissioner in America. Correct. So Manfred does absolutely nothing to grow the game of baseball. Nothing. At all. I don't even know. He hinders it every day. What would, what would his defenders say his strength is? Because it doesn't even seem like he's a good deal maker. You've got ESPN. You got the reports saying that ESPN is going to opt out of the TV deal and try to negotiate it down. Oh, well, hey, look, there's a reason that there's a lot of these free agents that are sitting in baseball right now and there's no market for them. I mean, Scott Boris is, is, you know, is throwing a temper tantrum, but there's a lot of baseball teams that are like, we just can't, we can't spend right now. We don't, our, our future is so uncertain. We just can't spend right now. So like, that's my question. It's like, what, what would his defenders say is his strength? 
I can't think of anything, Jeffrey. Because we we've had a labor problem. You can't sit there and go, well, no labor problem. We had a labor problem. Uh, he does not appear to be growing the game or growing interest in the game. I guess rights holders that have their rights to some extent because, like, he's so it, – it's a negative for the sport, but he's so militant about social media highlights and protection of copyrights and all that kind of stuff that probably has grown – the regionality networks that are that are actually alive and well to some degree. That'd literally be it. And that's some downline stuff right there. Yeah, and and yet here we are. We're still sitting here with him. Yeah, fair enough. I know you got a big day. Enjoy. Take care. Right, guys, Thank you. Jeffrey Wright joining us on the Campbell Clinic Hotline there, as he does every single Thursday. Appreciate his time. Again, he's got four more hours on air today, so We'll take Got it lightly that he mantle. gives us uh, one of his um, this morning before he gets started. Reading from a newspaper this morning, Neil, good to be Ross Bjork. Uh, he was announced at Ohio State yesterday as the new athletics director for the Buckeyes. He's got a five-year contract paying him $1.65 million annually when it begins on July 1st. He will uh, make the move on March 1st. He's going to be a special advisor for Gene Smith, and then during that period – He's going to earn $175,000 per month. In addition to the base salary, he will receive $350,000 each year from media, promotions, and public relations, bringing his take-home pay to an even $2 million. They gave him $1.094 million to cover his $750,000 buyout at Texas A&M. He's also eligible for up to $250,000 in bonuses each year and will receive retention bonuses of $500K and $750K be still in the roles in 27 and 29. And then should OSU terminate his agreement without cause, he's owed the remainder of his base salary plus media promotions and PR pay. So good, good contract for Ross right there, bud. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we, we all like to pick on Ross, but once, once Pat 40 went after him yesterday, I was team Ross. Um, (laughs) No, I mean, that was such low hanging emotional fruit. Like it's it was that, that it was bullshit. Totally. It, and it's I mean, and, and what's annoying about it is it's not even you you don't even have the defense of oh well this is what it looked like a perception. No, you knew exactly what you were doing. You just wrote a column lying about it. You knew the it, ins and it, outs of that. It pissed me off so much. I just turned on some Louisville volleyball and just watched all day long. <laughs> just all day, I watched Louisville volleyball all day long. Mm. Cheered me up. Set, spike. Team first. Talk about, a caric- talk about a caricature of somebody who was pretty good at one point. And just. Yeah, just uh, I'll, I'll leave it alone. I mean, you know, his inability to look at the big picture on the Ole Miss NCAA thing and see it from multiple fronts is incredible. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, the, and you know me, I'm not the guy that I've never I've pissed a lot of people off by saying it. I'm never going to be the guy that was Ole Miss got railroaded, Ole Miss, they were wronged. No, there was a lot that Ole Miss did wrong. But to, 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 to and, and I'll blame Ross for a lot of stuff, but I'm telling you, you can't blame Ross Bjork for what happened to Ole Miss in the NCAA thing. You just can't. It does doesn't hold up under scrutiny. No. It just doesn't. 
you can blame the you can blame leadership you can blame you can blame attorneys you can blame freeze you can blame the NCAA you can blame maybe even the SEC office to a certain degree you can blame a lot of people but I have a hard time getting there with Ross like I what Ross do what was he what was he gonna do Well, and he had a and he had a chancellor who was making missteps every every part of the way, you know. And then, yeah, the rules that were violated were they stupid? Of course, trivial? Of course, but they they were you couldn't. The argument that he couldn't make was no, we didn't do these things. No, you did do those things. It's stupid. Everybody else does these things too. You just got pulled over. I mean, it's it was the equivalent of right. You're in a caravan of cars going eighty in a sixty five. And the trooper pulls you over. And you're like, this sucks that you're picking on me. And it does. But it doesn't change the fact that you're speeding. His chancellor went into the hearing and told the investigators, our boosters should be ashamed. They did everything. They said that whatever. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, what, what are you going to do? You're going to come back after that and go, hey, we're, we're ready to roll up our the, sleeves. The head of the university... I mean, said a quote that initially the NCAA issued in the press release before Ole Miss got him to take it out after that. Put it in the press release that Vitter basically called the his own boosters a bunch of scumbags. I don't have people, the direct quote, but that was the people gist. just don't realize people don't realize how bad Jeffrey Vitter was for their school. Oh, the guy did the guy did such he was so bad at PR. He was so bad at interpersonal relationships. He was he had no backbone whatsoever. And when he when he felt threatened, he he attacked. Yeah, emotionally. Yes. Very he was a very emotional guy. I mean, did damage. He's got an oyster blog now. Did you, did you read that on the board I put up? A couple okay, of I mean, like, seriously, think about it. If that guy would say to me what he said to me, I couldn't hurt him. What would he say to people who actually mattered? You ever thought about it that way? I mean, there's nothing I could do. I didn't matter. I, I don't. I don't matter. I wasn't a donor. I didn't matter. Yeah. Sure. What did he do to people who mattered? Well, I mean, struggled through all parts of it. I mean, struggle. I mean, he, you know, I mean, a chancellor, you're the face of the school. You're a fundraiser. Couldn't remember names. Had a hard time in social situations. I mean, you wonder, kind of how, how many, you wonder how many relationships he severed, how many relationships that he injured. And you probably didn't realize until later when you had realized they had to be prepared. Repair. Yeah. So. Weird dude. I mean, that's but that's my point. Like, forty does that deal from thirty thousand feet, where he doesn't even attempt to dissect something and to dive into it and to, hey, this thing was complicated. It was over a matter of a, a, a period of years. There was a lot there. And again, I, I'm not. I'm not saying Ross Bjork's the greatest AD of all time at all. None. But I. Even if I went searching for a way to blame Ross Bjork for the Ole Miss NCAA thing, mm -hmm. I don't think I'd get very far. Yeah. Was he perfect? Um, Probably not. But, man, there wasn't a whole lot he could do to overcome all the other stuff that was that was happening.
Auburn uh, announced Derek Nix sometime yesterday. It was in the afternoon. It was hours after Ole Miss did the same thing. Um, wide know, receivers. Love, so all the Auburn beat writers like, well, now it's official. It's like, no, nah, Cat, it's been official for a while now. <laughs> it's a shame Ole Miss and Auburn don't play each other because there's a lot of hate right now. And you look uh, at Auburn's coaching staff now, and it's a bunch of Ole Miss people, and it's like, well, are you hey, shocked by that? Yeah, because they spent years going, "We're better than Ole Miss. We're we're superior to Ole Miss." It's like, well, well you're they're doing hired. it right now. I mean, right now, it's oh, they're leaving a vagabond program. It's like, oh my god, like, it, mm. well, yeah, like they're getting rave reviews for a lot of their game day stuff, and I'm like, that's an Ole Miss guy doing it. I mean, Paris has done a phenomenal job there with their, their all of their stuff. You know, really pops game day and the, the the company that they brought in to do their scoreboard and stuff is based out of Oxford. I mean, there's there's so much. It's it's bizarre. It, it's it's wild just to kind of watch it. And don't get me wrong, I'm not criticizing Paris at all. Paris is a great guy and he he's, he's doing yeah yeah, that yeah was that's not the point. brilliant move for his career and long term and that kind of thing. He needed to he needed to go do it someplace that wasn't his alma mater. That that needed that needed to happen. But it's it's wild to me to I mean there there's there's a lot of that and then I don't know I, I you know, I've said this yesterday I'll say it again today I don't I don't think yesterday was the the, the, the I don't think yesterday was the the banner day for Lane Kiffin. I I I, I didn't. I thought Derek deserved more than that after sixteen seasons of service at at, at Ole Miss. I I, 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 I thought if if I had been advising Ole Miss, my advice would have been be magnanimous today, congratulate him, and move on. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have kept coming back with the other stuff because I don't know how in the world you and I talked about this yesterday. How in the world are you going? If in the event that you pursued this legally, how in the world are you going to prove who called the second and seven play at the 38 yard line in the heat of the moment? Yeah, I, I would love to see the exact way it's even written to see what it looked like. Cause there's no way to, to answer that question without understanding the, the language and legalese to it. Um, Cause it was essentially, the buyout clause states that Knicks would owe 100% of his annual salary, which again was 625 for this past season. 700 was what he was scheduled to make next season, 625 this season. As a payment to Ole Miss in order to breach the contract, leave for another job with one exception. Uh, if he left for a full-time head coach position or primary offensive or defensive coordinator with primary play calling dudes at another school, then he's exempt from paying the fee. Again, that makes the wording from uh, – Lane yesterday, as in the uh, second paragraph, acknowledging the opportunity to become a first full-time play caller, I'm sorry, first-time play caller and full-time play calling duties as offensive coordinator, we extend. That would make it where he did not owe the buyout, freezes comments and all the stuff is why this is even a conversation. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it's – I, I have no clue. I, I don't know what the wording would even be to prove it legally in any way. I, I'm I'm absent of that. Um, yeah. I mean, the only dumb part of this is that Freeze could have avoided a lot of this by just shutting up two weeks ago. Why would you have to tell people in January that you're calling plays in August? 
who gives same reason that he same reason that he called an NCAA investigator into the room and and after telling him hey let's pray he threatened to kick his ass because he 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 he's so thin skinned about what people think and he he it, it's it's why it's the all the stuff because if Ole Miss has a case it could have all been avoided had Hugh just shut up of course he's the reason this is even a conversation right now of course but he he needed to come out because he felt. He, he felt threatened. People were criticizing that they didn't have a great season. And so he had to come out and go, well, hey, you know, we, yeah, we lost some games, but we didn't do it my way. And that's on me. We're going to do it my way. And I'm going to call the plays. And he didn't have to say all that in January. That didn't have to be said. But he needed it said because he was taking some heat. And when he takes heat, he gets defensive and he deflects. CN, did Auburn. Did they put anything in the press release? I didn't that read mentioned it. mentioned duties. I didn't read it. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm, no, you're you're fine. Um Ken Austin also hired his quarterback's coach yesterday at Auburn. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's not a shot at Ken. I'm just laughing at Hughes hiring practices. Yes, <laughs> you know, I mean I mean, the difference between Kalen DeBoer and Hugh Freeze is so obvious when you look at it. All right. Derek Nix named offensive coordinator, running backs coach at Auburn, 16 years, blah, 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 blah. I'm really excited to reunite with Derek here at Auburn. He's an outstanding recruiter and coach with nearly two decades of experience. Uh, blah, 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 blah. No, no mention of any duties in the press release from Auburn. I didn't assume there would be, but I just – it was worth checking. So. Ken Austin, Derek Nix. It's it's too late now for Kirk, whoever had to had to write the the, the press release. Freeze has already said it out loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, if you're Kirk, you're like, well, what what, what am I supposed to do? If I write that 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 uh, Nix is going to call the plays, well, then I'm I'm. And everybody goes, hold hold up, you said. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can't do anything, so you just avoid from from a PR. Kirk did the right thing. Kirk Sampson, who's a friend of mine, he did the right thing from a PR one hundred and one standpoint. If you can't win, just don't bring it up. Yeah, if you can't win the conversation, change the conversation. It's not yeah, really so about just, that. It's about yeah, Derek's experience. There's no reason for him to write about who's going to call the plays because the head coach has already said who's going to call the plays. Yeah, and now you got the head coach at Ole Miss that's trying to call them on it legally, and not because. Lane Kiffin doesn't care whether Ole Miss gets a $700,000 buyout. He doesn't. Lane Kiffin's pissed off at Hugh Freeze. He doesn't like Hugh Freeze. He doesn't like him based on the Auburn stuff from a year plus ago. And he he didn't want Derek to leave. Um, you know, I mean, all there's, there's a lot there. So you, you get, again, it's a shame they don't play one another. Yeah, you get you get Auburn off the schedule and A and M off the schedule, right? Yeah, I mean Alabama off the schedule. I mean, it might be a tame season from a from a coach head to head standpoint here. I mean, Jeff Lebby's on the schedule, so we'll get that. Jeff Lebby's on the schedule, <laughs> but that might not have any steam by the time November rolls around. Yeah. Uh huh. No, Lebby's got his work cut out for him in year one. It's gonna be a gonna be a task. To say the least. 
Yeah, yeah. He better win those early ones. He's got those couple coin flips early where you go, ah, you drop one and it gets it gets fuzzy in a hurry. Saw um, New Mexico State Jerry Kill joined the Vanderbilt program as a special assistant, and then the quarterback for New Mexico State followed him. Yeah, um, saw that. To 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 Vanderbilt. Uh, I'll. I kind of feel sorry for Clark Lee outside of his salary. So I, I, I had several tweets in my head to make fun of that yesterday and just declined all the way around because it's kind of, it feels like you're kicking a puppy at that point, picking on Vanderbilt football because um, they just don't even try. But anyway, that was movement that that, uh, that happened there. Ole Miss, uh, Lane and Golding were in Tuscaloosa yesterday. They're going after, as they should, portal players from the University of Alabama and the University of Washington. Um, we've made notes of both those uh, potential, including one that may already be in the boat um, from Alabama. That's at rebelgrove.com. We'll talk about that a little bit. And then um, more podcasts to you as the week moves on. Are you, are you talking to Tyler again this week, or was it just a one-off for the for the current week? I'm not sure. I, I think we'll end up doing something. I'm, I've got to figure out. I've, I've got to come up with a better logistical setup here. My I, I've got my knee still so stiff and tense that I've got to stretch it out. But when I stretch it out for long periods of time, I, the rest of my body sort of falls asleep. And then if I sit for a while, the it the the pain's pretty intense. So I've got to kind of figure something out. Yeah. As far as Neil and myself, we'll be back on uh, Monday. We'll talk about the NFL playoffs. We'll have championship week next week in the NFL, the AFC and NFC title games. And then Ole Miss faces Auburn uh, quite the task, I guess an opportunity. If they're going to play well and have a chance, they will show up and the scoreboard will read 0-0 and all that stuff from Neville Arena. 7.30 on Saturday. I think, again, SEC Network is the channel for that. Alabama-Tennessee, the game earlier in the day that is uh, quite the hoops game there inside the league as well. So uh, all that and more, rebelgrove.com, MPW Digital. Thanks to Jeffrey again, and we'll talk to you again on Monday. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.